Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. This is where we share tips about business and parenting. Being a mom of three, CEO of the award-winning company Easy Daisy's speaker and educator, you're going to learn the tips and secrets of successful and incredible people. Elaine wants you to be inspired, challenged, and motivated, and that person you want your kids to grow up to be. This is Real Talk for Real Life. Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table, where we talk about how to create better, how to create better family, health, business, and self. And that is not in any particular order because people are always saying, why do you put self last? I do that because it rhymes <laughs> with health. But no, definitely, definitely putting yourself first is not a selfish act. In fact, it's very important because if you take care of you, then you can take care of others and, and make that impact in your family, in your business, in your community, in the world. So I just wanted to say that. But I wanted to say right now that if you are a woman between 40 and 65 or approaching that age, you do not want to miss this episode. We are going to talk about issues like weight gain, thinning hair, night sweats, bladder control, brain fog, so much more. <coughs> Pardon my cough. And most of all, we are going to talk about how to take control of your own health, your body, your hormones your mental health, also important. Because according to Forbes, 73% of women do not treat menopause symptoms. What are these symptoms? Who knows? But we're going to figure this out today with my amazing guests. You see, menopause can happen in your 40s, in your 50s, and the average age is about 51. And it is said that it can last about 7 to 14 years. What? That is insane. Now, by 2025, it is said that worldwide, there's going to be an estimated number of 1.1 billion women with menopause. So it is no doubt and no wonder and no surprise that the menopause market is estimated to be $600 billion. Wow. Now, my guest today is chatting with us all the way from Portugal, Teresa Isabel Dias. I'm hoping I'm saying that right, is a pharmacist, a certified menopause practitioner, and the founder of Menopause Ed. That's right, Menopause Ed. And I will have all her links in our show notes because you will definitely want to connect with Teresa. Now, she is also an advocate for women's health because you know what? Many women experience physical, emotional, and mental challenges in, in midlife due to the, those hormonal changes. And Teresa provides education and support on symptom management for women at work and at home so that they can feel themselves again and enjoy that vibrant and productive life. Teresa says it so very well. I'm going to quote her. She says, menopause seems to be that last health taboo that we need to normalize, just like we do with pregnancy and now with mental health issues. Menopause is that glass ceiling that no one wants to talk about. So hello, we are going to talk about it today. Welcome, welcome, Teresa. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A pleasure and an honor to be here with you. You are amazing. Like when I reached out to you, I had no idea you were in Portugal. So you... uh -huh. We are eight hours difference here. So you're having breakfast and I just had my dinner. <laughs> 
Yes, and not only did you have dinner, this woman went surfing today. And then she hit. I, I, I tried to surf. I took a surf lesson, which is a whole different thing. But it's sunny and 16 degrees here. Um, and I just have to take advantage of this wintering uh, in Portugal thing because I left 34 years ago and I hadn't been back in the winter. And here I am trying to uh, work and do the best I can with the weather I have. Well, if we could all have a surfing lesson break, that would be today really awesome. That You are incredible, that is. And she, you, she is also a mom. I failed to say that. You have two grown-up kids, and, and you're too young to have two grown-up kids, by the way. if For those who can't see you, I'm just saying. You're, you're stunning. You are absolutely stunning, surfer lady. Now, tell us a little bit more about Teresa. So, I, I was born in Portugal, and I graduated from pharmacy here. And in high school, I only learned French. And I had cousins living in Canada, so I wanted to learn English. After I graduated from pharmacy, I asked my parents to help me get to Canada and spend a year with my mother's cousins, and I would learn English. Wow. And it was like um, love at first landing. As <laughs> awful as the drive from the airport through the 401 is to Toronto, this woman fell in love with the open space in the place. And that's just, oh, my gosh. So uh, I was there for a while. And then I realized I didn't want to come home. So I had to do my equi equ equivalency. Mm -hmm. I spent two years in the middle of that. I got married. I got a baby. I delayed things. Wow. And I arrived there in 88. My son was born in 91. My second son was born in 94. And I got my Canadian citizenship and my pharmacy degree in 94 as well. So it was like three wow. big things. Three huge things. It was, uh, it was, I haven't regretted anything. I've, I've loved it. I love Canada. I love Portugal, but I love Canada too. Wow. Do you miss the food? When I mean, obviously. I do. I do. And I have a lot more food in intolerances in Canada than I do in Portugal I realize now it's it's different things grow differently mm -hmm. that's not really better or worse it's just different yes yeah, so well I'm hoping and thinking you might be bringing home a suitcase full of food <laughs> I'm not allowed to <laughs> oh that's too yeah I'll put some cheese in dirty socks there you go <laughs> stinky socks stinky socks for sure now, is there, now you have quite a story. You are an incredible uh, supporter of women and, and women's health. Now, is there anything that happened in your formative years, your university life, maybe at one point that helped shape who you are today? Uh, my mother had a furniture, a furniture store from my grandfather. So she always wanted me to continue with the family business. And I, I like numbers, so accounting was not a big deal for me. But I, in grade nine, I had to decide if I would go into science or if I would go into the, uh, the, the languages or whatever. So I decided to go with my mother and said, sure, I'll get into uh, economics, accounting, whatever stream it was. I did very well because I'm very good at balancing my sheets. I, I know how much I can spend if I make so much or whatever. 
but it wasn't in my heart. It's like, okay, I can do this, but that's not what I want. I want to know how the body works. What? I want to know why is it that we have a bellyache? Why is it that we have acne? Why is it that we have, and I have tons of acne. I want to know how the body functions. But I didn't want to be a doctor because to be a doctor here, yeah, I would have to spend three months in emergency. And I don't like blood that much. And I don't like people coming out of car accidents. So I figured the best way for me to not have to touch anyone and still learn about physiology and all that is to be a pharmacist. It's there you a lot of stuff. So I did. So I went to pharmacy and I, uh, I graduated um, wow. in 1987. And then I went to Canada in 1988, and the rest is history. The rest is history. That is incredible. I I also wanted to be in healthcare when I was younger, and I thought I was going to be a children's doctor. But I am such an emotional fluff cake that I would just like probably cry all over the kids if they were sick, and then the parents would be like, what's wrong? And I'd be just sad. And then I went into teaching because I wanted to work with children. And then and then also the rest is history. And uh, crazy. And that was a very good option. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> you did so well. <laughs> you are very kind. You're very kind. Now, let's, let's talk about the main issue here of menopause. And I love, I love the name of your business, Menopause Ed. And... Mm-hmm. Because you bring to the forefront something that, you know, people don't really talk about, even women, right? We're, we're shy to talk about, it, we're embarrassed. It's like as though it's like a horrible, ugly thing, but it is, it is a natural thing that happens. And we need to learn more about it because if there's education about it, then it's not so taboo. And, and then, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that people who are listening are also people who, are men who, and I know I have male listeners, because when you can understand what your other women are going through or women are going through, then you can come alongside and be supportive. And you also as a woman, right? So what, first of all, what is menopause, Teresa? Good question, because there's still such a big confusion about that. Thank you for asking that. Menopause is just the end of ovulation. Our ovaries slow down and stop working mostly before we do. Because as you said, average age of menopause is 51. Some of us, most of us now can expect to live till after 80, which means we'll be one third of our lives into menopause or even more if you have an early menopause in your 40s. So there's nothing uh, magical about menopause, your ovaries stop working. No more ovulation, no more periods, no more for, uh, fertility. It's probably a, a nice way to put it is it's the reverse of puberty. But there's one thing missing in this all. We know that when a girl has a first period, we talk about it, we explain everything, we encourage her to uh, to go with the flow and exactly intended and to understand what's going on. But nobody's teaching us what the heck is menopause. And we're going through, I don't like to call it symptoms because it's not a, a disease, but for simplicity of medical terms, mm-hmm. symptoms everyone, everyone understands. But things like hot flashes, night sweats, difficulty concentrating, uh, feeling anxious, angry, 
wanting to kill everyone around you. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking every woman is listening going, wait, am I in menopause right now? As I'm like 26 and have three kids and they're all screaming. Exactly, like, exactly. Now on top of everything, on top of all the women who are going through the perimenopause, which is the years leading up to menopause when your ovaries start um, not working as regularly and hormones are up and down and not in the usual uh, ebb and flow of your regular periods, COVID, mental health, hormone changes, it's all adding to this feeling awful. And there's a whole lot, and I call my business menopause Ed because even I was not sure what was going on until my son came to the kitchen one day and said, are you bipolar? <laughs> oh, oh I, it's not in the family. Why do you ask that? Because we, and he was being the spokesperson for himself, his brother and his father, <laughs> we are walking on eggshells around you because we never know when you are up. Or you are down. Wow. So what is wrong with you? Wow. And I found out later that doctors, pharmacists, nurses, we don't know why those changes happen until we learn that it is the hormonal changes of midlife. And so I called it menopause ed for education because I believe that the first thing to make women's lives easier in midlife is to be educated because once you know what's going on, then you can make choices for treatments. You should not say yes or no to a treatment until someone has taken the time to explain to you the benefits, the risks, the advantages, disadvantages. And we know that unfortunately, a doctor's visit is 10 minutes and you cannot explain menopause and, and treatments in that amount of time. So yeah. Wow. I, I love, Teresa, how you said, you know, when, when you're pregnant or when you have your first period, you know, we, we try to talk about it to our, our daughters and even before it happens, right? So that they're not scared when it, that first time of bleeding happens. But we, we don't talk about menopause or premenopausal, um, as you said, symptoms is probably not the best word, but for easy explanation right now to say symptoms, what it might look like. So I really appreciate that. that. That is so true, right? We should be talking about it so that there is no fear approaching it. There is a better understanding. And I love that your son was a spokesperson for the men in your family. I love that. So what what are some of the common symptoms? Like, what would you say are the top five <coughs> premenopausal? So, uh, the top five challenges of, of changes that other people, women are usually first, usually the first change that you notice that your hormones, your ovaries are not working the way they, they used to is changes to menstrual periods. So your periods may come closer together. You may bleed longer or less. You may have spotting or not. Anything is possible, pretty much. And I know that many, many women, and now we're working from home, that's an advantage to many of us. Many women have such heavy bleeding that I knew people who could not go to work on a subway because they would soak right through a path. And it was a nasty business to get on the subway to go to work. Now we can work from home and that makes life easier. But changes to menstrual periods are usually the first one. Mood changes is my bipolar, not really diagnosis. Uh, mood swings, irritability, anger, lack of patience, 
Um, and even anxiety and palpitations. Some women experience palpitations before or during their half flashes and night sweats. Night sweats are half flashes that happen, happen during the sleep. Those are very common as well. Um, they tend to get better after menopause, but um, they, for some women, they can start before menopause. And for those who start earlier and for um, black women, they seem to suffer more with hot flashes, more intense and longer. Hmm. And there's uh, also sleep changes because there are two main hormones. Estrogen is the female predominant hormone and that goes down uh, as well. But there's also a very nice hormone alongside it, which is a progesterone, which is a calming hormone. It makes us mellow and it makes <sighs> us sleep and it makes us reasonable. And when that goes, we go all over the place and then we can't sleep because our calming effect isn't there any longer. So changes to menstrual periods, mood changes, hot flashes, sleep changes, and then there's the urinary and sexual changes. And if menopause is a taboo, sexual and urinary changes are even a bigger taboo. Wow. But some women get uh, vaginal dryness, they get um, lack of sexual desire, and most of that is all related to the amount of estrogen in the body. Wow. Now, can you have hot flashes in the daytime or is it just nighttime? Yes, you can have hot flashes in the daytime. I was lucky because I had about 20 hot flashes during the daytime, but only one at night, so I was able to sleep. And <laughs> but, but some women soak right through their pajamas. I know women, some of my clients come to me and say, I've been soaking through my pajamas and changing every night for the last two years. I can't function anymore. Of course not. Could you? You go to bed and two hours later, you act all soaked wet with sweats and then you go uh, change and then you go back to sleep and such broken sleep for a long time is not sustainable. Teresa, do you know what causes hot flashes? We don't know very well what causes hot flashes, but one of the theories seems to be that our thermostat is actually broken, really. There's, there's, a, there's a, a buffer, a zone, uh, a thermal regulatory zone uh, where you're neither hot nor cold. So it's like a Goldilocks little half, half degree Celsius. You're just fine. Wow. But women who have hot flashes seem to have lost that buffer zone. So we either hot or cold. Wow. And there seems to be more stuff influenced by uh, hormones and other receptors in the brain that is still being studied. And there's a lot of studying going on, research about menopause and how it affects the brain and all that. So I'm hoping to last another 20 years and see more information coming out. <laughs> now, uh, wow, it's great information. Now, you said that your urinary tract is affected. What, yes. do, you, what do you mean by that? So some women... If you have, if you had babies, uh, your um, you may feel some leakage when you laugh, run, cough, so on, um, and that's in part due to uh, a, a more lax pelvic floor, which is a, a muscle that holds all your organs in, and it gets lax because of the act of uh, giving birth. And that's why I highly recommend that all women go and look at the pelvic floor with a pelvic floor therapist and, and uh, make it strong. There are the wow. Kegel exercises and all those things that done properly 
are very effective. And somehow the estrogen fluctuations in perimenopause seem to make that leakage worse. And for some women, it gets better after menopause. I, I used to uh, cross the street from uh, High Park because I live north of High Park and I would hijack. <laughs> I would, uh, I, I would, uh, I would just uh, cross the street and run from the cars and so on. And I would get to the other side and I had to go home and change my pants. <sighs> so I had to, I had to start crossing on the sidewalk on the, uh, on the stripes because I had, I needed to go on my slow pace. And I had a, 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 a client saying, I just parked my car. And before I was able to get out of the car, I had wet my pants. There was no physical exertion, nothing. So mm. Estrogen seems to have an effect on our blood and tissues and all and urethra and all that. And so we may have some more leakage problems. But as I said, it tends to get worse once estrogen is leveled, even though it's low in after menopause, but it's leveled. And the other thing is vaginal dryness. We have nice, supple, thick walls in the vagina, which is the birth canal, mm -hmm. connects the uterus to the outside and when estrogen is readily available it's nice and thick produces a lot of lubrication when we are sexually aroused but with lack of estrogen those layers become thinner and thinner and there's not enough cells to make the uh, vagina uh, stretchy so it's like a, in premenopause your vagina is like a pleated skirt and afterwards it's like a tight a pencil, a skirt, and there's not much give. You get a picture of how hard it is. Well, there you go. Intercourse without without pain because there's a lot of attrition, there's less lubrication, there's less elasticity. And this, contrary to hot flashes, which tend to get better with time, vaginal dryness tends to get worse with time. And this, this cluster of symptoms, urinary symptoms and vaginal symptoms, all together because vagina is not very media friendly. Now they all call the genitourinary syndrome of menopause. Or for an immigrant like me, it's a lot easier to say GSM. GSM. Now I have that visual of a pleated skirt and a pencil skirt that will last forever. <laughs> but that is, I'm visual, so that is a great visual for sure. Now, I, There's no reason to suffer because that is a very easy thing to treat. But again, women don't talk to the doctors about it. Doctors don't ask women about their sexual health. And if women don't complain, the doctors may think, oh, she's not complaining. Everything is fine. We don't complain because it's not comfortable to talk about these things because there's still so much taboo. And that's why one of my consultations is all about sexual health because let's talk women to women and decide what how are you doing? How bad does it hurt? And how can we how can we fix it? Because one of the problems I find in women with a partner is they start avoiding sex because it hurts, which is understandable. Nobody wants to have sex if it hurts. Mm -hmm. But then they also start losing their intimacy mm. because they don't want to cuddle on the sofa. They don't want the kisses on the neck. They don't want that intimacy because they're afraid it's going to end up in bed. And that lack of intimacy mm -hmm. has ruined many, many uh, partnerships. Mm -hmm. And 
I don't want your vagina to ruin your marriage. There you go. There's a quote. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one wants I'm making you a call. <laughs> skirt, ladies, or pencil skirt. So that's something that we're all choice. Yeah. And you said there's a simple remedy. And what do you mean by that? Yes. So the first things you do uh, when you start having pain and, and notice lack of lubrication, you can try over the counter things like a lubricant during sex, sexual activity, a moisturizer. Um, ask your pharmacist about it. Remember that your Google search does, is not as thorough as my pharmacy degree. So Google is your <laughs> friend sometimes, but there's a lot of old information that is no longer accurate. That's why it's not a good thing to find your information on Google. Yeah, and uh, that you didn't uh, get to show your mug that you had. Yeah, it actually says that. I confuse your Google search with my pharmacy degree. Woo! Sorry, I don't have it here. I'll put it on a picture. <laughs> yes, you can send me a picture for sure. I would love that. But try lubricants during sex. Try moisturizers on a regular basis to add moisture to the. Because it's not only women who are sexually active who have, who have discomfort. Mm -hmm. It may be hard to sit for a long time. It may be hard to wear um, jeans or other tight clothes. It may be hard to ride a bicycle. So it's not just a problem for those who are sexually active. It can be very uncomfortable for all women who suffer <laughs> from this trimester. And if those things don't work or if they stop working, then there is a low-dose vaginal estrogen that you apply there and that actually increases that cell thickness back to normal. Mm -hmm. And the pain goes away because there's more elasticity, there's more cushioning, and there's more lubrication. So there's tons of options. Wow. There are all the medications in the market in Canada now as well. There's a pill, there's an ovule, there's tons. So don't suffer. And you would just, would you have to make a doctor appointment or can you talk to your pharmacist? For the over-the-counter products, you can talk to your pharmacist. If you want a prescription medication, then you need to talk uh, to me, to your doctor, and get a prescription and take it to the pharmacist. Okay, well, we are so lucky to, to have you because I know you do lunch and learns. And quickly tell us a little bit about your lunch and learns. Yes, so uh, Canada and the United States is behind in bringing menopause to the workplace. Like you said in the, in the introduction, I believe, and many of us in this field believe that menopause is the last health taboo because we have addressed pregnancy and we owe it to our sisters before us to fight for that privilege or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Nobody now even thinks about um, uh, maternity leave. You have a baby, you go home, you come back a year, whatever time it is that you have, whatever you want. Now we with, with uh, addressing mental health, but nobody's talking about menopause and menopause is not a, like a broken foot that you put a cast on for six weeks and then you start running again. It's a holistic thing. It's, it's the mind. It's the uh, reproductive system. It's your pelvic floor. It's your urinary system. Some women even have, um, as I said, anxiety and depression. Absolutely. We need to address this. Because health, right? It's also psychological health and physical. Exactly. So in the UK, they've done, a, a, they're doing a lot of stuff to break the menopause taboo. And one, one, one uh, company did a survey of women in a workplace. Now, 
I ask you, what do you think the five top symptoms of menopause in the workplace were? You're asking me right now? I'm asking you. Five top symptoms of menopause in the workplace. Hot flashes? Going to the bathroom more than you would want to? No, not that one. Okay. Um, lack of patience? Anxiety and worry, yes. Uh, okay. Um, that's only two. Okay. Five. Um, oh, gosh. Would tiredness? Exhaustion. Yes, fatigue was actually the number one. 40% of respondents said that fatigue was one of the most important symptoms they were going through. Wow. Okay. Uh, four. So got you got three. You have two more. Two more. Oh, my. Okay. I don't know. Let's see. Okay. So I have said hot flashes, uh, anxiety. Fatigue, anxiety and worry. And fatigue. Um, food cravings? No. <laughs> that would be pregnancy. That happens too, but it was not on the top five. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, not sure. Uh-oh. Um, oh my. At work, what would it be? Forgetfulness. Exactly. Focus and concentration problems, which we usually call brain fog. That was big. Thirty-four percent of women wow. uh, reported that. So okay. forty forty percent said fatigue. Thirty-five percent complained about hot flashes. Thirty-four percent of focus and concentration problems. Thirty-two percent anxiety and worry, and almost thirty percent insomnia. Oh, those were the five top symptoms in the workplace. So we need to address this. We need to normalize menopause. It's something that happens to all women. Whoever is listening, if you're not there yet, don't let this scare you because 20% of women breeze right through menopause and they don't feel anything but an end to their periods. That's it. Lucky you, ladies, and don't rub it in. 20% of women, on the other hand, have a ton of these uh, challenges, especially these challenges at work. And that contributes to the fact that one in four women contemplate quitting work or career. Wow. We cannot wow. allow that to happen. And then the 60% of us are right in the middle between the 20% who feel nothing to the 20% who have extreme uh, challenges. And we chug along and hope that it goes away. But if you're having the quality of life, your quality of work, your quality of relationships negatively affected by menopause, Take care of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't just cut up with it. Absolutely. Like that statistic that I started with, that 73% of women do not get any at all. And so let's continue talking about it. Now, Teresa, what would you say are your top five tips that every menopausal woman should know or needs to know? So it's not a surprise that I would say, be aware of what your body goes through. That's the education part. Because of this secrecy around menopause and this negative connotation, oh, we old, we dried up, we shriveled, we the old ladies, we, no. Menopause can happen in your 40s. You are not old in your 40s. I don't think you're even old in your 50s. All is not, all has nothing to do with menopause. So. 
be aware of what your body is going through, especially if you're not there yet. Understand what could happen. We don't know what's going to happen to you. But if you're aware of it, just like you said, Elaine, there's less fear. And if there's less fear, it's much easier to cope with something that you know what's going, what, what, what is. If you don't know what is, I have women calling me and say, oh, my breast hurts so much. Do I have breast cancer? No, you just had a surge in estrogen probably. But, you know, and don't skip your medical appointments because we need to continue with all our screening for breast cancer, for cervical cancer, colon cancer, all that. And if something is off, you know your body better than anyone else. And then you go take care of it and find out why am I feeling this way? So be aware of what your body is going through is my top tip for every woman after 38. Yep. Okay. So number one. And that's, I mean, before I go into my other four tips, let me just tell women in perimenopause, we can miss periods. We can miss ovulation, but doesn't mean you cannot get pregnant still because you can still ovulate unpredictably. So menopause is the end of fertility and the end of periods, but it's only um, confirmed um, by after 12 months or no periods. So you have to go through 12 months or no periods to tell that that was your last one because you can still get pregnant in perimenopause. And in fact, statistics in the US say that there are more pregnancies in perimenopause oh my than in teenagers in the US. What? Unwanted pregnancies, more unwanted pregnancies. So oh, uh, birth, if you don't want to get pregnant and you're in perimenopause, birth control is still important. Okay, the second, the second top tip is most of the challenges you're experiencing in perimenopause will get better in postmenopause. So I know some women say, I am going crazy. When is this going to end? That, that's not a, to open a door to say, just suffer through it and you'll get better to the other side. Better. No, it's just to give people hope that the worst time is perimenopause because the hormones are going up and down and is this going from high to low that is so disturbing. Once everything is stable, albeit low, life is easier. There's no more, no more mood swings. Um, it, most women get less hot flashes. I know GSM can get worse, but everything tends to stabilize. So there's light at the end of the tunnel and it looks good on the other side of menopause. Uh, what else? As I said before, seek help. If you are having a hard time, if it's impacting your quality of life, if you cannot work properly, if your relationship is in, in, on the rocks because sex hurts too much and you're just pushing your partner away because you don't want to go there, there are lots of ways to get things better. Mm. And then don't exclude hormone therapy from your toolbox because... Of all the women I work with, they all say, I don't want hormone therapy. Why not? Because it says on the internet, it's dangerous for me. Or because my doctor said it's going to give me breast cancer. Okay, so let's do a few um, screenings. Let's, let's do, uh, use a few tools to, uh, to uh, understand your risk for cardiovascular disease. Let's understand what your risk for breast cancer is. Your risk of osteoporosis is. Let's assess your symptoms. And then let's, let me tell you about the benefits and risks of, um, of hormone therapy. And if you're a good candidate. Now, when you have all this information, 
you can make an education, an educated uh, um, option of treatment mm -hmm. until you have all the facts. You should not say, no, I don't want that. So Get to don't exclude hormone therapy from your toolbox because it's still the most effective treatment. And in fact, if it is initiated under the age of 60, within 10 years of the last menstrual period, the benefits outweigh the risks. And not only does it take care of your hot flashes, night sweats, helps you sleep better, but it also prevents osteoporosis. It also prevents uh, colon cancer. Hmm. It may increase the risk of breast cancer a little bit, but drinking more than one alcoholic drink a day increases even more. And nobody's talking about that. And if you, if you, there's still debate about this, but it could help to decrease your cardiovascular risk as well if you start it in your 50s. So there's a lot of good things to hormone therapy, a lot more. And of course, there are some women who are not good candidates. Women who have breast cancer are not a good candidate for mm. hormone therapy. Women who have cardiovascular disease also are not. But that's why treatment is individualized. So those are my five tips. True. So with hormone therapy, where would you go for that? Is that something through a medical doctor uh, um, or through um, so a path? What do you suggest? You need a prescription in Canada to get hormone therapy. You need a prescription in the United States to get hormone therapy. So you can consult with me first and then go to your doctor to get a prescription. Or I can ask the doctor. Or you can go to the doctor. The problem with doctors is, and it's not doctor's fault, but they don't learn in medical school enough about menopause. So unless the doctor is very interested in women's health, and it does become an NCMP like me, a North a certified menopause practitioner, or has an interest in women's health and takes more uh, care to, uh, to educate himself or herself, then you have a good doctor to go to. They know what you're talking about. They know about the most up-to-date uh, accurate information about hormone therapy, not what's there 20 years ago, which doesn't apply anymore because we know knowledge increases, science changes, and we're always getting updates. So if you have, if you're lucky to have a good doctor who knows about menopause, who knows about hormone therapy, that's where you go to get your hormone therapy. Good to know. Good to know. Thank you. So much great, great information. Now, I, I want to respect your time, and I, I see that our time is ticking away quickly. I want to ask, <clears throat> Teresa, if you could leave us with Teresa's top tip or tips on how to stay healthy and perhaps, you know, I know that one question that uh, people have asked because they, they knew I was speaking with you was, weight gain and and menopause is that a, a thing so do you have any tips or strategies that you can leave us with on how to stay healthy and fit as a woman yeah. in menopause or approaching menopause it's the basics elaine there's no magic potion in my box here it's the basics basics for good health for a strong immune system and for an easy menopause it's eating nutritious, healthy food. Don't eat um, processed food. Eat things that grow and move in fields, your, your greens, your, your uh, raw vegetables, if you can, your fruits, your, uh, your uh, 
uh, not red meat. We want to stay away from bad fats, but we, we want to eat healthy fats like avocado and nuts and olive oil. Fish the Mediterranean diet has been studied and it does help with, the, with menopause. So if you can get uh, to learn about Mediterranean uh, style diet, it's the best for you because it has a yeah, lot of good, healthy fats and very little red meat as one glass of wine a day, no more than that, because it increases your uh, your risk of breast cancer. And it also ruins your sleep. Alcohol is a woman's sleep, worst sleep enemy. I did not. Uh, move daily, because sitting is a new smoking. So move daily. And if possible, to, to uh, even if you don't put on weight during menopause, your body shape is going to change. We tend to get... A, wider around the middle hmm that sucks at the angiogenic we look more like men and less like women right mm-hmm. and that in itself is a risk for cardiovascular disease when you have wider belly than hips your risk for cardiovascular disease increases so move and if possible do weight bearing exercises resistant exercises especially targeting the core so you can squeeze that the waist of yours. I did it. It worked for me post-menopause. It's harder in perimenopause, but as I said, there's a light at the end of the year. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Go do your core exercises, and in post-menopause, you'll be able to shrink. I did. Wow. I'm the living proof that I could. So exercise, uh, weight-bearing exercises, balance, because we want to avoid falls and avoid fractures stretching so do learn to do gentle yoga that is good for you and also do cardio if you can prioritize your sleep over netflix and your facebook feed manage your stress if you can't reduce stress learn to manage manage your stress meditation mindfulness deep breathing whatever works for you i call it brain timeouts when I'm too stressed, I, I leave whatever I'm doing. I'm going to stand somewhere, look outside, and just think about the air in and out of my lungs. And it just lowers my heart rate. It lowers my uh, stress levels. And I feel so much better and so much more productive. And then positive thinking. And also think not only positive thinking is good for your health. It helps you to cope with hard times. And there's no hard times for us in these last two years, for most of us anyway. But positive thinking, as in P-A-U-S-E, positive thinking. Don't go with the uh, idea that menopause is a bad, negative thing. Menopause is part of life. Mm -hmm. It could be bumpy. You take care of the bumps. You go with the flow. You think of it as another rite of passage. And remember that it could be an opportunity to become a much better person. Love it. Or at least different. It doesn't have, it's not going to be the same as you were at 20, 30, or 40, but it doesn't have to be worse. It's just different and just not worse. I love it. I love it very much. You are awesome. You have shared so much wisdom with us, Teresa. And if anybody wanted to find you, where's the best place for them to go right now? My website, menopause Z. So menopause with a D at the end dot org. Or they can find me also on LinkedIn, Teresa Isabel Diaz. I have a Facebook group. 
but uh, check my website, send me, and uh, download my Please Yourself Tips for Nisi Menopause. Excellent. Thank you for that gift. I will have all of this information also in our show notes. I have one last question. Teresa, do women need to take like supplements like calcium and like estrogen? Um, estrogen is a prescription, not a supplement. Yes, calcium is important for bone health. We need to prevent osteoporosis. We should take magnesium because men and women alike in North America are low in magnesium. If you take magnesium at that time, it may help to sleep. So calcium, magnesium, uh, maybe a multivitamin two or three times a, a week because we don't need it every day just to top up those uh, minerals that we may not be getting from the, the vegetables we should eat and sometimes don't. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Vitamin C, vitamin D, sorry, vitamin D, very important for anyone in Canada. calcium. 2,000 units a day because the sun is so weak, doesn't produce much. So no, I, I love it all. And I love that you are soaking up uh, the sunshine. I check with your pharmacist about the amounts. Great information. Teresa, thank you. Thank you so much. It's, uh, I'm just so excited to, that I was speaking with you today. I had all those were real questions from me as well. So I, I'm so grateful for you. You are incredible. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Pleasure talking to you again. I know it's been too long. We'll have to chat before <laughs> years go by. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening in. And I hope that you feel more educated now on menopause because you may be approaching it, going through it, know somebody who is in it. And I think that, uh, Teresa, you have just really enlightened all of us. So thank you again, Teresa. Thank you. Let's talk about menopause. So we stop the table. Yes. Keep talking about it. I'm talking to our listeners now. Don't be shy to talk about it. It's, it's all good. Please do keep talking. And we will talk to you soon. And thank you so much, everyone. Bye for now. Bye.